Shalom Aleichem, on behalf of Teach 613, we welcome you to Take 10 for Talmud. We are recording in Silver Spring, Maryland, and are so glad that you can join us. Gitin Yudtes, Gitin 19b, pagination 38, will start at the end of a line, about a quarter of the way down the page, with the words Rav Yehuda. And we're dealing with a somewhat challenging situation where there's a language barrier in the document. For example, a person who is not familiar with a specific language signed on a document. And then the document comes to Besdin. And Bezdin has to try to figure out, should we accept his own signature on a document that he clearly could not have understood? This would obviously relate as well to cases that we joke as legalese, where one can't imagine that the person involved really understood all the fine print, but he signed. Would his signature make it binding? The Ramah, at the end of Simon Samach Ches in Choshen Mishpat, writes, In a case where the borrower himself signed on the document, even if he is a person who does not know how to read, or doesn't know how to read that language, have a gomar bedaito lehischayev, but from his signature we understand that he agreed to obligate himself to whatever's written in that document. For lochein chasam atzmo, and therefore he signed on his own. Obevadai kirauhu lefanov, they obviously read and translated the document to him. Vehemin lakoreyahu, and he trusted the person. And that would be one step in understanding these types of cases. If a person himself signed on the document already, then as a private citizen, he accepted upon himself whatever is written in that document. And obviously that's one of the reasons that we strongly encourage a person who's doing a deal, affixing his signature, he should have proper legal counsel and shouldn't do guesswork because it is binding. And if he signed, we assume that he got the proper advice from people that he trusts. The Gemara tells us a different angle on the same type of problem. Rav Yehuda Mitzta'er. Rav Yehuda was a person who, as Rashi explains, had trouble reading. He was an elderly person, and his eyes didn't work as well. And he would pain himself to try to read the document, Kari V'chasim. And then he would, after he read the document, he would sign the document. Omalei Ula, Ula told him, Lot Surichas, you really don't have to stress yourself to read the document because it's so hard for you to read it. Daha Rabbi Eloza, Mora de Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Lazar, 
was a leader of the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael. He knew halacha very well. Karu kamei, and they simply read the documents to him, v'chatim, and he would sign. For Rav Nachman, and similarly, Rav Nachman in Bavel, karu kamei sifrei daini, v'chatim. The scribe would read him the document, and he would sign. And here you see that a leader of the court, this is not just a private citizen, as we gave an example from Shulchan Aruch, this is the Dayan himself, it's official documentation. He's trusting his scribe to read the document to him, and he rests assured that that's indeed what's in there, and he affixes his signature, which makes it binding. Says the Gemara, there's a bit of a qualification. V'davka Rav Nachman Daini. It only works by Rav Nachman and the official scribes. That equation works. The Isluhu Aimsa, because they're afraid of him. Aval Rav Nachman Acharini. Had it been Rav Nachman with all of his greatness, but it would have been a different scribe. Or Safri Daini Vinish Acharina, or the scribes of that court, but it would have been a different person that they were answering to, not someone of Rav Nachman's stature. Lo, then we wouldn't say that you could sign without reading the document. The judge who's going to sign was only allowed to because that particular dynamic was present. A more common situation, perhaps, is a case where a document is brought to the court and it's in a different language. We're trying to bring a proof of from something that the Dayan himself is not able to read. But he has his authoritative translator. To what extent can he rely on the translator? And it would seem that if you have someone of the stature of Rav Nachman, and you have people who are afraid of him, of the nature of these scribes, then such a situation might create a trustworthiness that allows us to proceed, even though in a very strict conventional sense, we do not have two witnesses telling us the facts that we're looking to verify. This becomes a little bit clearer in the next statement. Rav Papa, when a document in a foreign language came to him, it was done by a different court. He would have two non-Jews who were proficient in this language read the document to him on different occasions, not in front of each other, so that they recognize what the other one is doing and they could accommodate what the other one is doing in the translation. He gets them separately, an independent cross-examination, so to speak. But he would do it very casually. They shouldn't realize that he's listening very closely and that he's comparing to the other ones. He says, you know, what's written in this document? And based on that, 
verification. It's not really a testimony because they're not being accepted as witnesses. But that verification worked enough that he was willing to use the document and extract money according to what the document indicated. And this opens up for us a fascinating topic where we do not have true witnesses telling us the facts, but we have something called Masiach Lefitumo. They're talking casually. They don't realize the impact. They don't have reason to lie. And also, it's something, as the Rivash explains, it's Ovid Le'igluye. It's something that will emerge. As the Rivash points out, there are other people on the street who know the, this language. So if these people are not telling the truth, they know very well they're going to be greatly embarrassed as soon as I ask somebody else to give me the translation. The Rivash says, for example, that's how Simone Nairus work. How does a Bezdin ever know that a girl of teenage age is indeed a legal adult because of pubic hair. It's not possible for the Besden to know that on their own. The way they know it is because women tell them that she is an adult. Now, women are also not accepted as witnesses in a Besden, but since these women know that other women will contradict them if they're not telling the truth, and they're going to be greatly embarrassed and exposed, so therefore they're going to say the truth, and we can rest assured it's a verification process similar to these translators, even though it is not a conventional form of testimony. There is... Another consideration, which is outlined by Sefer Zayas Ranon, among others, which is in the case of Igun versus the case of Mamon, how many, wit- how many, I shouldn't say witnesses, but how many people would we require to verify things? Our Gemara told us Rav Papa required two people, but that may be because it was to extract money. In the case of Igun, in a case of a woman who needs to be allowed to get married, if we can verify everything in place, it could be that one person with the same parameters would be sufficient. And the key over here is that another language is not necessarily such a tremendous barrier. If the person signed... He obviously had it translated to his satisfaction. And even initially, for us, the language barrier can be surmounted if a person knows how to go about a proper translation. Yashikoach, thank you for joining.